a Hindu person in the congregation today, they would say, yes, this is accurate. Let's say you're one of the, you, you know, in Hinduism, they have the caste levels. I don't know how many castes they have, but they got a lot of them. And then there's the untouchables that aren't even in the lowest caste. They're just totally cast off. And man, they can't, you don't even touch them because even if you're in the lowest caste, if you touch them, they just defiled you. If you're in the top caste, if you're a Brahmin, let me tell you how holy you are. If you're a Brahmin, let's say Ed, Ed Naj is a Brahmin. And the sun's shining and I walk past Ed and my shadow goes across Ed's body. Ed has to go get ritually cleansed because my shadow defiled him. That's how close he is to nirvana. Ed would be being worshipped. Brahmins are worshipped. They are mini-gods. And his hope, the Brahmin's hope, is if I get this Brahmin thing just right, I will be cast off into nirvana. Do you know what nirvana is? Nothingness. You go out of existence. And that is the best relief you can possibly have because now if they blow it as a Brahmin, you're thrown down into a lower caste and you got to start all over again. It is just this unending cycle and treadmill of despair unless you get cast off into nirvana, which is nothing. Let me tell you, folks, I'll take this. I'll take a kingdom that is coming where we will be, as I indicated earlier, tabernacling with God. We will be being face-to-face -face with the true and living God and enjoying every moment of it. Your kingdom come. That is the hope. That is the expectation of the Christian life. And that is why everything that is advertised Everything that is set before us by the world system that says, man, if you have this, you'll have it made. We won't talk about Cadillacs, Vincent. <laughs> we all, okay, I won't go into the idle thing, okay? Won't go into the idle thing. We, but it's so easy for us to make, put, invest happiness in possessions, that can go away, that will rust. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God hasn't called us into relationship with him so that our will can be done. So that our infantile dreams can be fulfilled. Now, if it is a will that we see rising out of the scripture, if it is a value or a dream that we see rising out of the scripture that matches God's character, that matches God's program, that matches the hope that God has set before us in his kingdom, praise God. That's what we are to be tracking with in the power of his Holy Spirit. That's what we are to be tracking with.
But we're not here to do our will. Now see, one of us, one of the things that we're all really good at is telling God what the blessing has to look like. God has promised us blessing. And so we say, okay, God, yeah, I got this blessing. Let me tell you what my expectation is. God's not open to suggestions. Can I make that? (laughs) Why would he be? You know, if you have been a parent, your small child will come to you with an expectation. Maybe you've given Johnny or Judy a cookie. And it was a fabulous cookie. Now, when I was a little kid, molasses cookies. Now, I I could eat a molasses cookie. My mom would give me a molasses cookie. But if I went to mom and I said, Mom, I'd like the whole plate of molasses cookies. My mom was wise enough and good enough to say no. Your being can withstand the impact of one molasses cookie, but a plate full of molasses cookies. I understand why you want them, but it wouldn't be wise. And then what? Now, I didn't do this because I think even really, really, really early, I learned not to do the tantrum thing. <laughs> I think it was such an early lesson, I don't even remember having to, being taught. But if I threw myself on the floor and started the tantrum thing to get my way, no, I knew that that would not end up with a cookie. <laughs> Why? Because my mother loved me. So Jesus teaches us to pray, your will, Father, be done. Because the will of God is always undiluted, harmless, blessing-filled. That's what it is. When you do what he says in the way he discloses how to do it, the blessing is fantastic. Now, we do live, as indicated earlier, we live in a hostile world. We live in a world, number one, you know who my biggest enemy is? Me. (laughs) Now, Mark came to faith in Jesus Christ as a child. When I sat in the first grade in that child evangelism fellowship meeting and this lady presented a red heart, a black heart, and a white heart, I wanted a white heart. And I honestly believe that's when I was regenerated. That's when I was made alive in the kingdom because I believed every word she said and I wanted it. Ten years later, I started getting discipled. God had stepped into my life. The blessing is there. The blessing is there. He has walked me. We live in a hostile world. 
But God, the good God, is absolute Lord. So he can shepherd me through this hostile environment in a way that will protect me. As we've been in the Sunday school class studying First Peter, we've seen submit to the government, even though the governor at that time, the emperor, was Nero, who would have the writer of that letter, Peter, crucified. And yet Peter said, submit to the government. And then he, whenever they ask you to do that isn't a bring defamation on Jesus, you do it. You're to submit to the government. You're submit you just submit to one another in love. You are wives to submit to you. You slaves are supposed to submit to your masters, not just to the good ones, but even to the bad ones. And you wives are to submit to your husbands, and you husbands are to submit to the needs of your wives. And you're submit to submit to the needs of one another in love. What did Jesus do there in John 13? He shocked those men. In our culture, it isn't as shocking as it would have been in their culture. Anything having to do with feet or foot washing, if you, if in, in the first century Roman world, if you had guests coming, they would, when they were at home, they would bathe, bathe before they came to the banquet. But walking along the dirty streets, their feet would get dirty. And so you would pick the lowest of the lowest of the lowest slave to be the one with the basin of water and the towel and so that as the guests came in the door, they would uh, have their feet washed that they had just gotten dirty walking through the dirty streets. Well, see, these disciples, uh, they were just too good to wash one another's feet. And so they're reclining on divans around a, they're not seated in seats. Sorry, Leonardo da Vinci. They're not seated in chairs at a table. They are reclining on divans around a low table. And their feet are sticking up right where everybody can see and smell them. And they've already eaten the meal. And then Jesus stands up and lays aside his outer garment, girds himself with a towel, and begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now, that is humiliation city to any one of them. They had refused to wash one another's feet. That's just too humiliating. We'd rather put up with your stink than wash each other's feet. Jesus washes their feet. They are all shocked into silence until Jesus gets halfway around the table, and he gets to Peter, and Peter just can't deal with it no you may not wash my feet you are humiliating yourself now you stop it if i do not wash you you have no part with me well then not my feet only but my hands and my head as well no you've already bathed i'm going to do your feet which is a repugnant thing anyways and then when he had completed washing everyone's feet he laid aside the towel reclothed himself in the, in the party garb and then went on. But he gave them the example of washing one another's feet and he said, now I want you men to be foot washers. That's what I want you to be is foot washers. In that culture, that was a call to frankly humiliating service of one another. And Jesus teaches us to pray what your will be done. 
Yes, I want your sovereign will to be coming into my life. I want the blessing. I want the blessing. I want the blessing. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wait, 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 wait. I'll take the theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the persecution part. Let's not do that. I mean, just, let's just do Blessed are you when they persecute you and revile you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. False accusations for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. And what am I praying for in this prayer? Your will be done. Persecution, reviling. Yes, Lord. There's a wonderful chorus. I don't know if it's in here or not in our hymnal. Yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your way, I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when the Spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart, I'll agree. And my... What's the rest of it? <laughs> Spirit will say yes, Lord, yes. Lord, yes, wash one another's feet. Yes, Lord, yes, accept reviling. Yes, Lord, yes, accept unjust treatment. Yes, Lord, yes, Expre accept a servant role. Yes, Lord, yes. Accept kingdom glory. Yes, Lord, yes. Accept physical harm. Accept a heart attack. Accept what's being experienced. Accept these things. Why? Because out of them I will make kingdom glory. God calls us to no suffering, to no suffering just for its own sake. He calls us to suffering because it always, 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 if you continue to walk with him, it always leads to kingdom glory. That's his promise. That's his promise. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we see kingdom glory. I was reminded this last Wednesday as we were looking at how God is going, and from Deuteronomy 32, of how God is going to restore Israel to kingdom glory. And there's a wonderful narrative, and I won't turn to it now, but please, I'm, I can't recommend this too, hard, too highly. Zechariah 12, chapter 12 describes the repentance of a very, 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 very unrepentant Jewish people in Jerusalem. And it says the heavens will be ripped open. Thus says the Lord, the heavens will be ripped open. Jerusalem is surrounded by the armies of the Antichrist for 92 miles in every direction. They are there for one reason, to annihilate the Jewish people there who are in rebellion against their God. And the heavens will be ripped open and out will come Jesus 
riding on a white horse, Revelation chapter 19, and then the heavens will fill with the saints of every age riding on white horses behind him. Put yourself in the army of the Antichrist. Oops! <laughs> this isn't working out the way it was promised. But the Jewish people in Jerusalem... It says, and they will look, thus says the Lord, they will look on me whom they pierced. And I will pour out on them a spirit of grace and of repentance and mourning. And they will mourn, separate themselves from one another and mourn. And I will open for them a fountain of cleansing. Chapter 13, verse 1. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The old-fashioned revival services starting a few hundred years ago when people would come forward, what would be a piece of, one of the pieces of furniture at the front of the meeting place would be a mourner's bench. But what came from the morning? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. Your will be done. And he pours out on the unrepentant a spirit of repentance, and they repent. Thank you, God, because, ladies and gentlemen, there was a, I was dead in trespasses and sins, and there I was in the first grade in this child evangelism fellowship meeting, and there was a Lord Jesus Christ standing above that poured out on me and some of the other boys and girls there a spirit of repentance. Otherwise, no, my hand wouldn't have gone up. I wouldn't have said, yes, Lord, yes. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No hesitation. No hesitation. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the most important, the longer I'm a Christian, and I hear this word a lot, and it's a good thing to hear. I would dare say the most important single word you can possibly understand and really grasp as a Christian is this word, surrender. Surrender your life plans. Surrender what you had once called valuable. Give it up. Empty your hands. Because God can't fill your hands with his blessing if they're filled with your insistence on what you think is a blessing. No, surrender to him. And it is when you surrender to him that he lifts you up. And you go from the place of being his enemy to his friend, 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 friend of God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even Jesus, Jesus is God the Son. Jesus had a right to eternal, unrestrained worship 
by every angel, every, cre every created, every human being, even the non-sentient <laughs> animals and plants. He had a right to be worshipped. And what did he do? He set aside his right to worship and became a man so that he could do for us what none of us could do for ourselves or anyone else, so he could take upon himself sin's penalty, so that his Holy Father would be completely set free to forgive people who simply asked, may I please receive the benefit of what Jesus did on the cross because he paid sin's penalty for me already. May I have forgiveness, please? The always same answer is yes. Always same answer is yes. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray together. Our Father, we want to thank you that you are unrestrained, God. You haven't called us to frustration. You haven't called us to failure. You've called us to kingdom glory. And we can witness and experience that kingdom glory in the here and now to Satan's shame and your praise. And that day is promised and it is coming when we will be in the undiluted blessing of your kingdom. And we thank you. And this is not a prayer you have taught to us that will not be fulfilled. In fact, it will be fulfilled to the nth degree when your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this will become as fully a place of worship and obedience as is your own throne room. We give you thanks for that in your name, Jesus. And all God's people said. Okay, I'm going to... I've got to read this to you. Okay, this is... this is Because this is an example... In 1540, Martin Luther had a great friend and assistant who had been enormously helpful to him by the name of Frederick Myconius. Frederick Myconius became sick, and he was expected to die within a short time. And he had even lost the ability to speak with a trembling, weak hand, he wrote a letter of farewell to that man whom he loved, Martin Luther. And Martin Luther instantly sent back a reply. Quote, I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of the reformation of the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying, this is my will, and may my will be done 
because I seek only the glory to glorify the name of God. <laughs> what? That's almost blasphemous. My will be done. But what was Luther's will? That God's work advance. His will was that God's will would be done. We can pray just as boldly as Martin Luther prayed. Frederick Myconius got better, got completely well. And six years later, when Luther died, Myconius was still alive for two more months. He has not called us to frustration and prayers that are just wishful thinking on our knees. He has called us to call upon him as all who he is. And he isn't one bit afraid that we lay hold of his promises. He is doing everything he can to incite us to them. Now, all God's people said, Amen. <laughs> Let's just stand and close.